Welcome to the Faith and Money podcast. I'm Crystal Wampler, founder and CEO of Kinefics, co-host of the Crypto Cannabis Show and Faith and Money. Faith and Money is a podcast where we discuss the relationships of money, wealth, and generosity with the Bible. The goal of this podcast is to equip believers in Jesus Christ to honor the Lord with their wealth. Proverbs 3.9. There are over 2,300 verses in the Bible on these topics. I'm joined today by my co-host, Keith Connolly, who is a CFP and Certified Kingdom Advisor. Keith has a bachelor's from Moody Bible Institute, an MDiv from Westminster Seminary in California. He received training in financial planning from the Ron Blue Institute and Indiana Westland University. Keith, how was your trip to Florida? I mean, it's been a while since we recorded an episode, and that's because you and I were both traveling, huh? Uh, well, we got back from Florida here right before Thanksgiving, and, and I'm sorry to say that my wife would not let me bring home a baby alligator to live in our bathtub. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just don't understand why. I, I think California needs more alligators. <laughs> um, you know, and, and but, you know, we had a great time, and I talked to one of the National Park Ranger volunteers about snake hunting in the Everglades. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided that if if financial planning doesn't work out, I'm going to become a snake hunter. Oh, okay. And what did your wife think about that one? You know, she doesn't really want to come along for those hunts. But, you know, <laughs> what they say is that the hunters go out in the evening, early, like early evening, when the sun is going down, because all the snakes like to climb onto the pavement of the road because the pavement is warm. And that's how they capture the snakes. Oh, wow. But, you know, the thing that really disappointed me is that they don't get to kill the snakes because they have to turn them into the scientists for medical research or, or for biological research. And, and I think part of it, the, the fun of the hunt is to kill, you know, these Burmese pythons eating all the birds and everything. You know, you should be able to slay these suckers because they're big. They're big and, and, and they, uh, they even eat some alligators sometimes. So, you know, that just wow. has to be it was like a lot of fun, you know, hunting those Burmese python snakes. Can they really eat alligators? Oh, yeah, they sure can. Sometimes if they get big enough, I've actually seen pictures in the Everglades where an alligator and a, and a Burmese python will get into a fight and uh, and they will actually both die in the process. So, so wow. you, know, you know, just imagine going gator hunting and, and snake hunting in the same day, you know, these two apex predators. Uh, and you set yourself up as, you know, the king of the jungle or the king of the Everglades. So right. that's, that's just crazy. I could not imagine that whatsoever. Yeah, oh my but, you know, we had a great time and we went down to Key Largo and, and uh, we went in, in a glass bottom boat. We saw all kinds of coral and fish and sea turtles and, you know, had some key lime pie and Key Largo. It was a great time. You know, Florida's yeah. fun to visit. No offense to my listeners and friends in Florida, but it's a little bit too flat. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, at least the last day we were there, it reminded me another reason that Florida is not my favorite place. And that's just because it was super humid. It wasn't that warm, you know, it's, it's almost December. So it was only like 75, but man, just walking outside, you could just feel that, that 
stickiness and humidity. So, but yeah, we're glad to be back. It was a good trip. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Glad to have you back. Yeah. Well, you know, today we're going to be talking on faith and money about the purpose of business according uh, to the Bible. Uh, you know, when we talk about uh, business, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that can be said and, and, you know, one of the things that we want to talk about today is, is the purpose of business. You know, why do we have business? And, and, you know, many people in our churches are in business. Maybe you're a business owner yourself, if you're listening here today. And, and you know, business is, is a vital part of, of our culture. It, it's, it helps man, you know, fulfill the cultural mandate and having dominion over the world. Uh, and, you know, God uses our business, Amen. but not everyone is cut out for business, are they? I mean, being in business is tough. Uh, I've been in business for myself now for almost five years. Uh, and I can tell you that that being in business, especially in the service industry, requires a lot of perseverance, resilience, a lot of highs and lows and requires a, a well-formulated plan. And, and quite frankly, staying on point and following through on that plan. You know, going in business has a lot of highs, you know, a lot of wins, getting that, that big client or having that big sale. Um, but it also has a lows, a lot of people uh, backing out or, or not becoming a client or, or leaving your, your service. You know, business is, is not for the faint of heart. And, you know, on top of all that, you know, you're not in charge of just sales and, and client retention, but you got to stay on top of trends in your industry. You have to stay on top of accounting and employees uh, and all those kinds of regulatory laws in that area. I talk to a lot of, of folks in the HR space here in California, and man, it is not easy to operate a business here in California compared to the rest of the country. California is very much known as a state that is not business friendly. Oh, yeah, for sure. What what kind of trends do you see in the financial planning profession, Keith? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. What I have found is that, uh, you know, the financial services industry really started out as stockbrokers over the phone taking orders, kind of like the Wolf of Wall Street stuff. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that money movie with a... Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, the dude from Titanic. Great movie. Um, and then it became, you know, it, it, it matured and it became more about the, the promulgating of a good expert financial planning advice. And, and that's certainly a, a step in the right direction. And, and, and it certainly definitely includes that. But what I see for the financial planning profession moving forward here in the future uh, is helping clients make meaningful financial choices that are based upon their values. Mm -hmm. So that's not just going to be about uh, give, telling people whether or not they should buy one stock or another or, you know, performing tax planning. I mean, that's all, that's not going to change. That's going to continue to happen, but you're going to, but meaningful financial planning for clients is going to become much more about behavior planning and, about setting, making value-based decisions with our money. Uh, and, and where I see taking my practice is not only that, but also 
with multi-generational uh, planning, you know, working with the grandparents, the adult children and the grandchildren for the passing of that wealth uh, and, and doing that in a way that is not only just makes financial sense, but also makes sense from a, an emotional and psychological and spiritual point of view. Yeah, it just seems like, you know, doing a little bit more due diligence will really help out a lot. It is. It, it will. And, and, and clients, you know, have access to read about all of these different products. They have access to reading about all these different strategies. All you got to do is read the Wall Street Journal um, or the Market Watch, and, and you're going to hear about all these things. And so, you know, I no one gets their medical advice or shouldn't get their medical advice from reading some periodical or magazine. But a lot of times what these clients are going to want isn't always just financial expert advice because they can get some of that just reading the Wall Street Journal. But mm -hmm. what they really want is guidance on how to make those decisions and to, you know, have their values and be encapsulated in the decisions that they make. That's so important. Yeah. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast to receive future episodes and feel free to share this material on social media or to forward it to someone who would be blessed with our content. Also, if you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to the host at faithandmoneypodcast at gmail.com. Today's question of the day comes from Joyce in Tequesta, Florida, who writes, my son wants to go to a private college, but my husband and I make too much money for my child to qualify for financial aid. We are unable to afford tuition. Am I required to pay for my child's college education? Thank you, Joyce, for the question. You know, <laughs> I, I guess one of the questions I have for that is, is this asking, are you required from a, a legal perspective? And the answer is obviously no. Uh, but I think what Joyce is probably getting at is, does she have a moral obligation to pay for her kid's college? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it, is it the right thing to do to pay for your kid's college? And, and uh, I, I, I suspect that's kind of what Joyce is getting at. Um, you know, there are many ways to pay for college. You know, there's college savings plans, student loans, Roth IRAs, scholarships. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of discussion out in the out in the world today about the value of college. Is college even really all that important anymore? Mm -hmm. uh, there was a day and time where people didn't necessarily always go to college. It was seen as as something that uh, only people who were going to become doctors or lawyers, perhaps, or, or or some high level of of career needed to go to college. Now it seems like everyone is going to college and it's becoming easier and easier to go to college, whether that's a community college or a four-year university. Um, and if someone want, needs to go to college, I wanna make sure that uh, that decision is made based upon business needs for that, that individual student. You know, this is a business decision. This isn't a, you know, kind of, in between childhood and, and adulthood decision where you just go and party. Uh, and if you're gonna be going to college, I would hope that 
the child and the parents will be working together to figure out why is it that I'm going to college? Mm-hmm. Is it because that's what's expected of me or is there some sort of end goal in mind? Uh, and, if, and if the child can't answer what the goal of going to college is, then they should maybe put that off for a year or two until they figure that out. Uh, and you know there are a lot of alternatives to college. Perhaps going to a trade school makes better sense for a lot of people. I'm telling you what, there, there's people making $100,000 a year working in the Gulf of Mexico on the oil uh, derricks you know, as a welder. They're making well over $100,000 a year. Uh, there, you can make great money being an HVAC tech or, or IT, and none of those careers necessarily require a college degree. So, no, I do not believe that parents are obligated from a moral perspective to pay for their child's college. Um, the where I would challenge you, Joyce, is, you know, and I can't answer this because I don't know you personally, but you know, you may be able to make some changes to your financial situation to help uh, afford uh, tuition or, or receive financial assistance. It may just mean that you need to get a good financial plan uh, that is based upon college and then those planners are out there. Um, and I'd be glad to help you see whether or not that would be an option. Another option is, yeah, go to community college for two years. Um, and you know, there's a really good resource by a friend of mine who teaches at, at Cal Baptist University in Riverside. Uh, and I would just encourage both you and your student to check out uh, Alex Chediak's book, Beating the College Debt Trap. Uh, it's a really just a phenomenal resource, you know, packed with not only college planning wisdom, but just a lot of biblical wisdom. So thank you so much for your question, Joyce. I hope that helps steer you in the right direction. Thank you, Keith. Today's topic is going to discuss Christians in business. We can all name numerous businesses from the place we buy our groceries to our mechanic, where we change our oil. We are all dependent on one another. Isn't that right, Keith? Yeah, I mean, when we were in Florida, uh, with the, when our family was in Florida last week, we drove up to Orlando and we went to a, the headquarters for Wycliffe Bible Translators. And Wycliffe, if, if you aren't aware, it, it does really phenomenal work in, in translating the Bible into languages all around the world. Oh, wow. Uh, they're a nonprofit Christian ministry. But, you know, it was funny. I, I kind of chuckled uh, because here you have a nonprofit Christian ministry um, and everyone in, in, inside Wycliffe was eating Chick-fil-A. And it was like, oh, there's God's chicken again. And, you know, and Chick-fil-A <laughs> is just one of those businesses that is known for being very um, pro-Christian with, and espousing a lot of biblical values. Uh, I'm, I'm I really- love that. The, yeah, I just want to add that I love the fact that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. They really do take pride in the values. Yeah, I mean. And I don't know, always know that it's it's for um, Sabbath reasons. I think a lot of times it's just to give people off time for to worship on Saturday on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean that's one of the things that they're very well known for. And you know, I'm really blessed to have several friends who are actually uh, Chick Fil A franchise owners, uh, and 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 I love teaching them about 
you know, God's chicken and, and uh, how we're going to go to their, uh, their place on Sunday after church for lunch. <laughs> My kids are sick of that joke. But yeah, I mean, business is everywhere. I mean, there, you know, if you live in a, in a town of any size, even a, a small town like where I grew up back in Pennsylvania, there's going to be multiple businesses, you know, from the, the local farmer to the mechanic to the civil engineer. I mean, business is all around us. We, our life wouldn't be the same without business. There was a time and day where in our country where most we were mostly farmers and, and provided for our own needs, you know, we, but yet at the same time, there was <laughs> mercantile where, uh, hi puppy, uh, where we got some of the things that we couldn't raise on our own homestead, uh, you know, for, and, and business is just the fair trade of services. You know, I can change the oil in my car, but I don't. I pay someone else to do it. I pay Irving to do it. Um, and I'm going to tell you right now that there's no way that I'm going to trust Crystal to clean my teeth or to give me a root canal. I go to the dentist for that. Oh, come on now. <laughs> but, you know, business is really in, in a bad place these days. You know, the, there's so much negativity out in our society today and, and business owners and businesses are, are looked at with suspicion um mm -hmm. like you know it people who um see the success of businesses feel this sense of entitlement that they should be receiving some of the profits or or that these rich business owners so to speak should be providing for all of their needs um, and, and I think that there's a sense of, of entitlement and, and jealousy and greed. Uh, you know, I work with a lot of business owners and I, I mean, there's, there's several business owners, one in particular, I'm thinking of their revenue has tripled two years in a row, uh, because they're, they're bringing, you know, great product to their clients and that's in, in great demand. Um, and, and we really need to think biblically about business because God cares about business. Um, and, you know, we need to think about why it is we as Christians um, should promote business and think well of business. And, and for Christians who are not in business, you know, God may be calling them into business and we need to know why God might be calling us into business. Right. Well, business isn't just about making money. I mean, how, what does it mean to be pro-business? Yeah. I mean, this, there, there's so much to be said about why we go in business. You know, why, why would I, um, as the electrician, decide to go into business for myself rather than working for the large electronic uh, electri electrician firm here in town? Um, and, you know, when we talk about being pro-business, it's very confusing to me exactly what that means because there is a lot of negativity in our, our society here in, in America regarding business. Mm -hmm. you know, so we, we all believe in free enterprise, at least Crystal and I do. I hope that my listeners do as well. I suspect that they do. And, and what we mean by free enterprise is the private ownership of business with a minimal government regulation. I mean, just looking at, at our healthcare system in this country, healthcare is so expensive 
because of government regulation. It's not the, the big mean insurance companies, it's the government that regulates the insurance companies and, and, and our healthcare providers. So when we talk about pro-business, what do we mean? What we, what we mean is that we are in favor of entrepreneurship, people who are creating or, a product or, or providing a service. But to be pro-business, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are pro all business because there's some business um, that is good and, and, and some business that is, is trying to control our lives. To be pro-business, does that mean that we're just big business? Are we pro-Amazon, General Motors, and McDonald's? Or, or are we small business or all of the above? Uh, and I think that there's some benefits to big business and there's there's benefits to small business, but I think there's pluses and minuses to both. Um, and so, you know, we got, we have to know why business is is, is why we have business and, and 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 what it brings to the table in terms of of its role in, in our society and in the creating and growing the kingdom of God. Right. Well, the purpose of business is to serve people and bring a profit. Right. Right. So, you know, if you're in business, your number one priority is to bring a profit. And you do that by giving your customer what they need or want. And if you don't do that, then you're no longer going to be in business or you're not going to do it for very long. <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, if if my customer wants a chicken sandwich and I'm producing a pork taco, or if I'm in a town of 100,000 people and there's five restaurants that are creating chicken sandwiches and no one with a hamburger joint, maybe I should not create another hamburger joint or chicken sandwich shop. I should do a, a hamburger joint, mm -hmm. right? You know, and so... Um, you know, if we need to be giving our clients what we want and, and the benefit of, of having multiple businesses doing the same thing, meaning competition, mm -hmm. is that we are forced to do our job better and better and better because the competitor across the street or across town is providing the same service. And so we do our, our we perform our roles or, or sell our widgets at a more fair price with higher quality. And that's a good thing. Um, and so we have to constantly pay attention. What is it that my customer needs or wants? Uh, and, and we do that at a fair price. And if we don't do that, we're not gonna be a business for very long. Right, a great example of businesses doing good things is the Green family with Hobby Lobby. You know, they started out making picture frames they truly came from humble beginnings. You know, David and Barbara, they started out the business with only a $600 loan from their local bank and a simple plan to, plan to make picture frames. And they, in 1972, they opened a store with around 300 square feet in Oklahoma City. And today, the business is over $13 billion, Keith. They must be doing things right, huh? Yeah, I mean, the, the Green family and Hobby Lobby is just a tremendous 
uh, business with a lot of biblical values. Uh, you know, my wife will love you for mentioning Hobby Lobby. You know, both my wife and my daughter, every time they see Hobby Lobby, dad, can we go to Hobby Lobby? Uh, <laughs> you know, and they were really excited when one went into the shopping center near our house here, you know, a year or two ago. Um, and, and, you know, the David Green is just a, a, a wonderful example of, of being a Christian in, in business. Uh, last year, or maybe even this year, they, they actually put their business in a trust um, and, and gave the business um, in the, to the trust so that it's not actually going to pass to their children, but it's going to be used to create a um, flood of generosity for years and years and years, as long as, you know, Hobby Lobby exists to um, really just be extraordinarily generous you know, going from $600 loan, you know, in the red $600 to over $13 billion. I mean, they're doing something well. Um, and they're not, uh, they've, they've fought some Supreme Court battles lately and, and won, you know, to really uh, preserve their values and their business, not to um, support uh, healthcare with abortion and, and whatnot. Um, and, it, and they're just really just such an amazing example um, in opposition or, or in contrast to some of the big business that we see today, which is in the business, not only of providing their service or, or their product, but they also see fit to lecture us on what we should believe and value and what we should do on things that have nothing to do with their particular business. I mean, you know, uh, we see how these big businesses in our country are, are putting the money that we give them with our, our, our patronage to causes that we as a Christian would find not only offensive, but evil, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, you know, big business tells us, you know, what we should uh, be doing with our money. And, 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 and that's a good thing. That's called marketing, right? <laughs> you know, the right. example is, is, uh, you know, George Washington had no teeth, right? because he didn't have a toothbrush, right? And right. so uh, it's a good thing when Oral-B, for example, whatever company owns them, I don't know offhand, I'm guessing it's Johnson & Johnson, but I, I don't really know, um, tells us that we need a toothbrush so that we don't have to have wooden teeth. That, that's, that's marketing and, and that's a good thing. But I, I don't really need um, Disney telling me that I need to subject my children to woke gender, you know, alternative gender ideology. You know, they just, uh, they've been pushing the, the woke agenda here for a while now. Um, and it's really come down to, to bite them. They just fired their CEO and, and they released this movie, um, Strange World, which promotes a lot of progressive values that we as Christians would not want to subject our children to and they just fired their CEO because it's gone so badly and reinstated Bob Iger who is their former CEO and and hopefully Disney will um, get back on track because they've lost a lot of money and a lot of patronage from people who are not wanting to subject their children to you know these this sexualizing um, that that the Disney is trying to force on people it's it's just really disgusting.
Yeah, I have to agree with you. Uh, there are another another example is Starbucks. You know, Starbucks is uh, not just paying for abortions. Um, they're they're starting to you know force abortions, and um, they're encouraging gender reassignment history for minors, and they're willing to pay for the travel as well. I'm talking about minors, Keith. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't. The CEO here recently. Um, in the last year or so said that if you don't like what Starbucks is promoting in terms of their values, then don't, don't drink their coffee. And, and, you know, to that, I haven't gone to Starbucks. I don't even really like their burnt coffee. I get my coffee elsewhere. Um, I'm more than happy to go to an alternative coffee shop when I have a business meeting um, or to bring my own. I, I, you know, Starbucks is just another example, you know, going in the way of, of Disney. But you know, here here there's some alternatives that are with some mixed alternatives. You know, Elon Musk, who you know Tesla, has definitely come out and and been a champion amongst uh, conservatives in some respects. You know, he's definitely a, very much a mixed bag, but you know he's definitely pushed back on on the progressive agenda, and he's even you know, disenfranchised a number of his his primary clientele. Just this week, Alyssa Milano, uh, who's a former actress or actress and who was on the uh, sitcom in the 80s, uh, what was it called? Uh, who's the Boss? Uh-huh, Who's yeah. the Boss? She, she was, you know, telling the whole world, <laughs> this is hilarious, she was telling the whole world that she gave up her uh, Tesla to support a company that espouses her values, which was anti-Nazi and whatever. And she bought a Volkswagen. Well, little did Alyssa Milano know how Volkswagen started. Do you know how, do you know how Volkswagen started? No, I do not. How, how did it start? And, and you're busting my bubble with Elon Musk. I had no clue. Volkswagen was started by Hitler in the Third Reich during World War II. <laughs> What? Yeah. So I mean, you know, a Blissolano, you know, it, it, it's just virtue signaling. She just wants to, you know, Elon Musk has a lot of really great things he's doing, but he also is a mixed bag. You know, he's certainly not a Christian savior in, in that respect. He's not a mm -hmm. Christian champion. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, back about a month ago at Halloween, he was shown with this kind of satanic looking Halloween costume. It was kind of scary looking. Um, and so, you know, he definitely is promoting some good things in our culture today, but he's definitely a mixed bag. Wow. I had no idea that that was the case. You know, it, Keith, it's difficult. It's a difficult thing to be consistent with where we spend our money according to our values. How, how do we be consistent? Yeah, it, it's difficult because... You know, there are definitely retailers and businesses that I avoid. You know, like I said, I, I don't like to go to Starbucks and that's my personal choice. Um, I don't shop at Target for some of the same reasons. You know, they've really been a big champion of the LGBTQRZ, whatever you want to call it, agenda um, and ideology. They've been really big on forcing that on their employees. All their employees were walking around with these rainbow stickers and and you know it's a statement it's a statement that that we are required to endorse these ideologies 
but I still subscribe to Netflix. So, you know, am I being very consistent? Because, you know, even Netflix has known, been known for their, some of their progressive, uh, you know, teachings and, and they've put out some material and content that I haven't particularly, um, that I haven't even watched myself, but, you know, sexualizing children. So, you know, it's just really difficult to know who we could do business with. And, and, and it's very difficult uh, to be consistent with who we give our business to and, and, and what businesses we patron. Uh, mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's even really difficult to be an employee mm -hmm. for these businesses. Should we not spend our money in these businesses? I mean, I mean maybe. Uh, I mean, certainly we shouldn't be giving money to Planned Parenthood or which is a nonprofit. It's not a business, but, um, you know, certainly we shouldn't be giving money to Pornhub. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. That's an obvious one. Their, their whole business is based upon something that we wouldn't as Christians want to promote. Um, but on the other hand, where does it stop? And how is it possible to be consistent? I have a friend who over the years has tried to buy materials, things, clothes and sports equipment and cars and whatever, as much as he can. You know, he wants to buy things that were made in America or at least avoid things made in China because of their own problems in China. But where does it stop and how, how are you able to be consistent? Show me a cell phone made that is made with all parts made in America, nothing from China. I, I highly doubt that exists. Uh, and and so, you know, it 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 we it might make sense to not shop certain businesses, but where does it stop? I mean, and 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 with this, it, it doesn't it seem a little bit too much like following through on on the whole cancel culture you know we've we've done so much to cancel or or wipe out from history supposedly some of the unvirtuous things according to the cancel culture that happened in history you know tearing down monuments or or trying to cancel trump or cancel people that we don't agree with is that what really as christians we are, are supposed to do um are christians not supposed to own stock or companies that endorse things that we don't embrace. You know, as an investment advisor, that's been something that I've had to wrestle with and continue to wrestle with. Um, you know, there's there's something called biblically responsible investing, which I, I appreciate a great deal. Um, and, and to be fair, you know, biblically responsible investing is much harder because you're having to monitor every investment that you own to make sure that they're not promoting things that are against our faith. But is there another alternative? Right. Well, consistency is key, but what it comes down to is that more Christians need to be in business. So what would be the alternative? I mean, I, I think that if we're going to be light, we need to become outspoken. Uh, you know, I own I own stock in a company which will remain nameless just because of my my business. Um, I can't tell you for compliance reasons, but 
um, that that has promoted some things that I don't agree with. And what I did and what I think Christians should be doing more and more, and I'm not the only one who says this, is that I should be, I, I'm contacting investor relations and saying, hey, I'm an owner of this business. I own stock in your corporation and I do not support you giving money to this cause. And if more people spoke up, isn't that giving yourself more power than taking your voice away by canceling or avoiding that, that stock or, or avoiding patronizing that company? Mm -hmm. wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be a bigger, uh, it wouldn't be a better way to communicate to a business saying, hey, I own this company or I, um, I'm not, I, I spend money here and I don't appreciate what you're doing. Isn't that a bigger voice than just going away and hiding in the corner? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we do need to be in business. And what I think this means is that more Christians need to consider going into business. Uh, and a lot of times we avoid doing that because let's be honest, you know, we talked about how it's hard. There's a lot of risk in it. Um, but, you know, looking in the Bible, we have some really good examples of, of a positive business versus a, a business that maybe we as Christians wouldn't support. If you look in Acts 16, we have two different businesses, and they're actually businesses run by women, both of them. I like it. So in Acts 16, we have Lydia, who's made of the, of the purple dye, maker of the purple dye. And then we have a, a, a slave girl who is selling uh, fortune telling services. Uh, and, 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 you know, so we have two examples of businesses and, and Paul interacts with both of these business owners. Uh, and, you know, Lydia, who was already, uh, you know, a, a believer, in, in a Jewish believer, uh, I believe she was a Gentile, but she was a believer in, in the Jewish God, um, heard the gospel and, and believed. And Paul came also across this fortune telling and, and got annoyed with her because she kept um, heckling him. And he actually uh, cast the demon out of the woman, which ended that business. <laughs> uh, and so you know, maybe we can, uh, you know, cast the demons out of Pornhub, but uh, <laughs> uh, so, but but you know, these 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 are Christians who are not only involved in business but also in in promoting good businesses and and uh, and trying to appeal to the gospel of Jesus Christ for those businesses which are against His word. You know, we have a lot of really good businesses in this country or good business people. Uh, you know, we mentioned the Kathy family, Chick-fil-A. Uh, another um, business-minded person that I really admire uh, is Carly Fiorina, who is a, a strong believer. Uh, she's a former uh, uh, CEO of HP, uh, and she was also a former presidential candidate several years ago. Um, and she made the comment that um, she wouldn't have been able to get through her um, breast cancer uh, without the help of, of 
of God and, and the aid of Jesus Christ. So, I mean, there's millions of business owners in this country, and we as, as Christian business owners must become more outspoken and, and quite frankly, more, we need to be working harder to make our businesses more successful. We, we need to be working together um, as a community to make our, our businesses more profitable, more influential, and, uh, and we should be um, doing many, many good things with our businesses. Mm -hmm. you know, business is not just about the profits, it's about um, dedicating our work to the Lord and, and fulfilling the cultural mandate. You know, Christians in business have opportunity to lead others, to lead both employees and customers. Uh, you know, how we treat our employees, how we treat our customers. We have the ability to bless others and to love our neighbor um, and to do thing, good things in our community. Um, and, and, and if we do all those things, we will be profitable. And that is a good thing. It creates more opportunities to be generous and to have wealth that is created for the long term and it isn't just, you know, uh, temporary wealth. And if, and if these business owners plan well, this, th these business can be profitable for generations and, and many, a lot of that money for generations can be given to the church and to help, um, a, a lot of people all around the world. Business is a good thing. I agree. I think, you know, business is, you know, not about lecturing our neighbors. It's about creating value and blessings with our products and services, like you were saying, and really creating that opportunity to share the gospel is what's speaking to me at this moment. You know, you say, don't run away you know, instead turn around and, you know, talk to them about it and be a voice for the light. Yeah, it's, I'm just always amazed that for as long as I've been in business, how many more opportunities I have to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Just because I'm in business, I'm given a voice because I'm seen as someone in the, in the, in the marketplace who's not only skilled at what they do, but I'm, I'm, you know, an out, outspoken Christian. And that doesn't mean I'm preaching every day, but mm -hmm. they know that I, I trust in the Lord and has created opportunities for me to lead people in Bible studies, to pray with them. Uh, I, I, I've had so many opportunities and it's been one of the greatest blessings of my life to have a business where I can not only uh, be profitable and support my family, but also benefit my clients and also uh, continue to uh, fulfill God's work and, and making disciples everywhere. And as, as a business owner and not a minister, I realized that my role is somewhat limited, but I, I'm not limited in telling others about Christ. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not limited and uh, being able to pray for people and to minister to others and, and to, you know, help people be reconciled to the Lord Jesus Christ and to make those connections. God mm has -hmm. God has done that. And, and it's been just an incredible thing. And I can't wait to see 
what God does with my business moving forward as well. Well, thank you once again for listening to this episode of, of the Faith and Money podcast. Uh, my name is Keith Conley and, and joined today by our uh, Krista Wampler, our co-host. Please don't forget to send your comments and questions to faithandmoneypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and until next time, uh, we'll talk to you very soon.